Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Tiffany and Tommy? Just Tiffany. What happened to Tommy? He died. How'd he die? Please, don't bring it up. Hey, Tiffany. This is Pat. You look nice. Thank you. How'd Tommy die? Oh. What meds are you on? I used to be on lithium and Seroquel. I was on Xanax. You ever take Clonopin? Clonopin, yeah. yeah. I guess I'm what? I'm tired. I want to go. Are you going to walk me home or what? You have poor social skills. You have a problem. I have a problem? Mm -hmm. You say more inappropriate things than appropriate things. Doc, she's crazy. Hey! Oh, what the hell? She knew where I was. She followed me. Then why don't you run somewhere else? Calm down, crazy. Maybe she just needs a friend. You want to have dinner at this diner? Pick me up at 7.30. Oh, she's a mess. You got to be careful. She does a lot of therapy. I go to a lot of therapy. Am I messed up? I just got to get a strategy, you know? Me too. So there's this dance thing. I can only do it if I have a partner. Oh, I'm not going to dance with you. What are you so up about? I'm happy. Look, I'm my best self today, and I think she's her best self, and that's a good thing. You have to do everything you can. And if you stay positive, you have a shot at a silver lining. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast. A longtime recurring guest on the VL pod. An East Coast kid living in a Midwest Minnesota town, a real ride or die friend and fellow bachelor connoisseur, Megan O. Connect that shit. I have a white claw ready to go. I already drank half of it. <laughs> Is it Pinot Grigio? No, it's Sav Blanc. Oh, yeah, it's better. It is better. Should we dive in? Yeah. Wait, first off, did you see the uh, Misha Barton cameo that on Instagram? No, I saw you posted it, but I didn't look at it. <laughs> you like had to it. listen to it. Just listen to it. It's the most disgusted I've ever seen anyone in my life. It's amazing. It, she was $150 on Cameo. <laughs> my friends like Wait. split it. Oh, for you? Yeah, they, so Zerbin. She has no idea. She sounds so sarcastic <laughs> throughout she, all of it. The look on her face, it was like, I, I, I know Ben Ben and uh, Zerb are listening right now. It 
was like the greatest gift I've ever received. Okay. I'm not even lying to you. When I was over Mina's last, like a few weeks ago, we were talking about cameo and I was like, I should get one of these for Brian. And I was going to get you like a big, the big brother, like what, what's his name? Um, oh, the Jeff. doctor. Oh, no, Dr. Do- Will? Dr. Will. Yeah. Cause it was like <laughs> 75 bucks. And I was like, I should, it'd be so funny, but I didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah it would be so funny and amazing like so just put that in your back pocket for like future gift for me because that would be sweet i'm not surprised anymore so can't do it <laughs> it's already been done too <laughs> so i was i was on vacation and the celtics had just lost a playoff game and i was like irate like i was this is last week i was at a 10 out of 10 on the rage scale and then i go and i was just watching downstairs and anna was up like going to sleep because she didn't care and uh she's like Brian, come up here. Your friends are FaceTiming me for some fucking reason. So I go up there and my two friends are FaceTiming her at like 11 at night. And I'm like, what, dude? Like, I'm not in good spot right now mentally after this loss. <laughs> and they're like, we have a gift for you. And they sent that video. And it was like a complete surprise. And I, I was just, I was so happy. So <laughs> <laughs> And I, I know it's tied directly, <laughs> directly to her disgust level. Like the pathetic level and disgust that sh- I can just feel coming out of her is is all I want in life. From she's her. oh yeah she's um she's as disgusted as they get. So yeah, congrats I guess. Anyways, um, Vicarious Living Podcast on Instagram and uh, Vicarious Living Pod at Gmail dot com. That is our Gmail. Okay, you want to announce the movie? Announce the movie. Silver Linings Playbook. Why did you select this? I think I just saw it on your list, actually. Um, And it is such a good movie. I mean, it's just... I I relate to this movie a lot because... um, So I went to St. Joe's when this movie came out. And St. Joe's is like five minutes from where... Um, this movie takes place so it's like right up the road that diner the Lanark diner is like like right there next to campus so pretty much at like all my friends who are from the Philadelphia area were like obsessed with this movie because they just like were they're all Eagles fans and I don't know it's really good it's interesting that you mentioned that diner because I think that diner scene is the best scene in the entire movie really okay I thought you were gonna say a different scene no, we'll get to it. We'll we'll get to all yeah. these scenes because there are so many scenes in this movie that are like, I hadn't seen this movie in probably like at least five, six years when I was watching it to prepare for this podcast. It was like every scene I was like, oh God, I remember this scene, like the fucking dialogue in this scene. I remember it so much. Like the dialogue and banter in this movie, I think it it's might strong. be like, Oh, it's so strong. It, it, I think it might be like one of the the most well-written movies I've ever seen. Yeah, like no line is wasted. No like. line. So let's get into that. 2012 written and directed by David O. Russell. This guy is prime time. Are you familiar? I pretty much only know that he did this one and then the one after with also Jennifer Lawrence, like the same cast pretty much, but I forget yeah. what it's called. American Hustle. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, was, don't know this guy. <laughs> very next year. Uh, he Well, you know some of his work. He did The Fighter. Nope. 
you never saw the fighter with Christian Bale and Mark Wahlberg crushing? No, but it sounds like I should swatch that because I love Christian Bale. Yeah. How have you never <laughs> watched Christian Bale won an Oscar for that? God. I don't damn. know. So add that to your list. And then um, he also did, he was an executive producer on Anchorman. That was interesting. Oh, did not know that. Yeah. Quick question. What what movie, did you ever see The Social Network? Yeah. What well, movie do you think has better dialogue? Because I put The Social Network dialogue in that same upper echelon of quality in terms of writing as Silver Linings Playbook. Which one do you think is better? Um, they're, they are similar, actually. Um, never thought to compare them, but... I forget who wrote that. It's a like a like very the West Wing dude who wrote um, yeah. the Social Network. I can't name? remember his name. David Fincher. Really? Yeah. Okay. He um, did like seven. Yeah. So I'd say like his um, his writing is just like you can't beat it really. So I'd say probably the Social Network is maybe like a touch above silver linings but only just a little bit just because it's so like it's meant to be like so 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 fast-paced so just to clarify um the writer though of social network is who we need to compare to and it's not david fincher he was the director it's aaron sorkin who did the writing knew it who yeah he also did west wing so yeah yeah you're right on that and a few good men which is unreal Mm -hmm. oh fuck and moneyball yeah, Aaron Sorkin is just the best. I think and I would put... He has, like, the social... newsroom, too, now, right? I think yeah. That's on HBO or something. Yeah. I, watch that. I think so. We're going to err on the side of Aaron Sorkin. Slight edge to him versus yeah. uh, David O. Russell. But the fact that it's even in the same conversation is... But I'd say I like Silver Linings Playbook a little bit more than The Social Network, just as a movie, like a plot, plot and characters and everything. I mean, I agree. Mark Zuckerberg is as unlikable as it gets. <laughs> that guy's the biggest douche in the world. Uh, you ready for some plot? Yeah. Life doesn't always go according to plan. Pat Solitano has lost everything, his house, his job, and his wife. He now finds himself living back with his mother and father after spending eight months in a state institution on a plea bargain. Pat is determined to rebuild his life, remain positive, and reunite with his ex-wife despite the challenging circumstances of their separation. All Pat's parents want is for him to get back on his feet and to share their family's obsession with the Philadelphia Eagles football team. When Pat meets Tiffany, a mysterious girl with problems of her own, longest plot I've ever done, things get complicated. Tiffany offers to help Pat reconnect with his wife, but only if he'll do something very important for her in return. As the deal plays out, an unexpected bond begins to form between them and silver linings appear in both their lives. SLP. Love it. I love the setup of this movie. There's nothing better than you put essentially two bipolar cast members together and fucked up circumstances that have happened in both their prior relationships and then just watch the magic unfold. And like, I think the subtle sports, it's not like a movie about sports, but it has some threads of sports running through it. I think it just like adds, adds a lot, even though it's the, the, the Eagles, which is, which are literally Philadelphia fans are 
the fucking worst. And that's my first note that I took. I hate yeah, Philadelphia so fans. <laughs> you're a Giants fan, right? New Jersey, born and raised. You're a Giants Hypothetically, fan. Yes. And big rival would be the Eagles, or do you mainly just not yeah. like them because that dude you dated was an Eagles fan? <laughs> Um, that was definitely added to it. Not a fan of Philadelphia fans in general. Yeah, I don't know much about them. Are they j- the only thing I know about them is like I remember when Allen Iverson was on the Sixers, and from what I can remember about f- watching Philly games, the fans are really passionate, and yeah, they're not afraid to boo. So like, if you aren't showing effort, they'll boo you like incessantly. And that's kind of different than a lot of fans. Like a lot of fans don't boo as aggressively. Yeah, they're they're very aggressive. And I've been told that like you're you actually like you might be in danger if you show up to an Eagles game with a Giants jersey. Like if they were playing the Giants or something, then you might be like risking it a little bit by wearing a Giants jersey. It's a sign of good fans. You know, fans are, it's short for fanatics. So, and there's a fight in this movie at an Eagles game. So I think they kind of live up to like. And the the Phillies mascot is a fanatic. Philly fanatic. There you go. Uh, Do you want three fun facts that I found on this movie? Interesting. Yeah. Number one is an OCD fact. Uh, David O. Russell was drawn to the story because of the family relationships and also because of the connection to his own son, Matthew, who is bipolar and has OCD. That was his connection to it. Um, I can't relate to the bipolar stuff in this movie, but I really, really resonate with the OCD stuff. Like a lot of the things that Robert De Niro does, I do. And it's sad to watch, like with the remotes and stuff, like having them all face the same way and like superstitious with like holding certain things and having people sit in specific spots, like all that stuff I've done and continue to do this day, in addition to some other weird things. And it sucks. (laughs) So, like, oh, so that really, it's like that definitely resonates with you. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not like on his level, obviously my OCD, like the OCD is so sad, like real intense, serious ones where you're watching someone like eat a bowl of cereal and they have to like tap the spoon three times on the side, then down once, then they can take a bite. Mine isn't like that. Mine happens in weird times, like of the day, like for some reason at night, when I go to bed, all the remotes have to be facing the same way and they have to be pointing to the TV and have to be like spaced out perfectly from each other. I don't know why, because throughout the rest of the day, I don't care where the remotes go. But for some reason, at the end of the night, they have to line up like that. Interesting. When did this start? Uh, Probably when I was younger. Uh, Another weird thing is like, again, at night when I'm going up to bed, I have to. So my house has all this hardwood everywhere, but like it has area rugs. When I step on the area rugs with one foot, I have to step on it with the other foot, too. Like I can't end with two left foots on the rug and only one right foot when I'm walking through. So like, even if I'm done walking on the rug, I have to take another right step to even it out. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It blows. It blows. No, I can almost understand that thinking. Like I'm, I don't do that, but like I can, I can understand the reasoning in your mind. 
Yeah. For balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like for posterity's sake. I don't have it. <laughs> okay. Second one. Tiffany, aka Jayla, Jennifer Lawrence, her appearance was originally supposed to be more goth as Jennifer Lawrence dyed her hair black and wore heavy dark makeup for costume tests. But Harvey Weinstein disapproved, so the goth elements were reduced. See, I was going to say when I first, when you're first saying that, I'm glad that the um, goth was toned down because that seems like a little bit of a, like a, I don't know, unnecessary um, attribute. Yeah. But then you said that that was Harvey Weinstein's idea. And so now I've changed my mind and um, I disprove of, of it. Well, I think the reason that fun fact was so fun to me was mainly because Harvey Weinstein was included in it. And I've heard a lot of rumors that she was one of like Harvey's girls. I feel like she's made comments about it before, though. Like she's never slammed. She has made. Is that true? She's never I have no idea. I'm only like 50% sure when I said that. But I, I thought... I'm pretty sure she's been pretty outspoken about the movement. But I don't remember like her specific comments. But like everyone knew. I feel like that would be weird if she didn't... She wasn't more upfront about it. Because everyone is aware of the fact that she was a big Weinstein gal she was i think it was i think she was more silent than people liked about it or she just disappeared for a while like for instance she had just like stopped acting in 2017 like she filmed some movies that came out in 2018 and 2019 but she stopped acting and like filming in 2017 hasn't acted since and there's all this stuff with harvey weinstein and then she kind of just like bounced like she was so we'll get into it when we get into our player breakdown on her but she her career was as red hot as it gets from like 2010 to 2015 why how do you just disappear with all the harvey weinstein stuff and just stop acting after that apparently okay so i just googled it because i just had to know and apparently harvey weinstein was bragging about having sex with her and then she denied it and called him an asshole. <laughs> um, Why would he say that they had sex if he's in all these lawsuits about rape? Why is he like adding more girls to the list himself then? I think she filed a, like a lawsuit against him. Um. The last rumor <laughs> that I heard was that, you know how she was in like the fappening? The what? The nude leaks. No. Remember when all those celebrities were hacked in like 2014 and like Kate Upton and Jennifer Lawrence and all these celebrities' iPhones oh. and their private pictures were stolen? Yeah, I do remember that. She was she was like the biggest one. She had like a hundred nude photos. And the rumors uh-huh. are that some of those were photos she sent to Harvey Weinstein. Oh. Huh. I don't Imagine. know. Uh, okay, and then last one I had was Anne Hathaway was originally cast opposite Bradley Cooper, but dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. I would have hated this movie if it was Anne Hathaway versus Jennifer Lawrence. Same. Oh. Don't. Not, not an Anne fan. I hate Anne Hathaway. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even faith. know why anymore that I, that I hate her, but I do. <laughs> All right. You want to guess some Rotten Tomatoes? Yes. 
I'm going to guess 84. I don't think it's too low. I almost, I'm coming in at like in that same ballpark, but a little higher. I'm thinking 88. Okay. Because I don't think it was like the most amazing movie that's ever existed. Like, at least in the critics' eyes. Like, it was definitely a well-reviewed movie, but... God damn it. it. I fu- I had this number in my head, and I went a little lower, but it's 92. Oh, okay. Audience score, 86. A little lower than I'd like. Hmm. Yeah, I <clears throat> I think that makes sense. I think that score... I let I'm I'm satisfied with it in the nineties. I think yeah. it's a 90s movie for sure. It says Silver Linings Playbook walks a tricky thematic tightrope, but David O. Russell's sensitive direction and some sharp work from a talent cast gives it true balance. I think this movie is sixty-five percent writing and thirty-five percent the actors are also dynamite. Yeah, that seems about right. It's hard to say. They're both really They're both strong. so good. Yeah. They're both so good. Okay, let, let's. we've talked a lot about her, but let's officially get into our player breakdown. Jennifer Lawrence, nominated for three Oscars and won one by the age of 23. What was the one she won for? This. Did she win on this one? Okay. Yeah. And she was nominated for uh, American Hustle and did not Mm -hmm. win. And then she was nominated for Winter's Bone, which was like her first big movie. Have you seen that? No. Oh my God, that's add another thing to your list. So you have tonight, your list includes HBO's I'll Be Gone in the Dark, that murder show on the Golden State Killer, the uh, Winter's Bone and the, with Jennifer Lawrence, and then The Fighter with Christian Bale. Okay, the list is going. Yeah, started out at age 20 in Winter's Bone, 2010. By the way, that movie... Shows a fucked up Ozarks before Jason Bateman made it cool as shit on Netflix. Winter's Bone? Yeah. It's about the Ozarks? Yeah. It takes place there? It's it's brutal to watch, but she does an amazing job. So that five-year run I was talking about, 2010, did X-Men in 2011, Hunger Games in 2012, massive, Mm-hmm. Silver Linings Playbook in 2012, another Hunger Games in American Hustle in 2013, another Hunger Games in X-Men in 2014, and then the final Hunger Games, and she did four Hunger Games in 2015. So she was crushing, and then she kind of tailed off a bit. She did movies like Joy, Red Sparrow, and Passengers, and those were like, mm. I only saw Joy, and it was like yeah forgettable i forgot all about it until you just brought it up (laughs) just didn't click same cast same director and it didn't work and then she just took a break like why has she not acted since 2017 when when did she do mother she did that i would say that's like probably a 2017 movie 
I heard that was like really effed up. Oh, 2017. Oh, Javier Bardem's in it. So yeah, it's probably fucked up. And it's Darren Aronofsky, who he's the guy that did Requiem uh, um, for a Dream. Fuck. Didn't he do um, Black Swan too? I believe so. Yeah, so you know that's going to be pretty Yeah, Mother's probably super fucked up. I don't want to watch it. I'm already having nightmares from this Golden State Killer. <laughs> I did. I had not, like watched it, watched like three episodes last night all when I was sleeping. I kept waking up and going like... Like thinking someone was in the house, like someone, was, some killer was walking into the bedroom to rape me, not my wife, me. I was assuming I was getting raped. You use your wife as protection from the rape. Yeah, like this Golden State Killer, he would he would like hogtie the dudes, and then he would put like plates on them, and he would say to the dude, like, if I hear those plates, I know you're trying to escape, and I'm gonna kill your wife. I assumed my wife was getting the plates on her back and I was getting (laughs) Uh, the main character in your own nightmare. (laughs) I'm the star of my own rape nightmare story. Uh, Next guy, Brad Coops. Bradley Cooper, sexiest Mm. man alive, 2011. What are your thoughts? I love Bradley Cooper. I mean, just just love him. This is like one of my favorite Bradley Coopers, I think. Short hair. I'm not a huge fan of like the hangover Bradley Cooper. I don't like the long hair. I don't like the like the asshole vibe, the short hair. Yeah, big fan. How do you feel about him in in uh, Wedding Crashers with short hair? Oh, because he's short hair, but he's an asshole. Um, Sackmaster. <laughs> <laughs> still, still love him in that because he has short hair. Short hair trumps all. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that he lost out directly to Ryan Reynolds for the lead in Green Lantern? If you remember that piece of shit. Oh. Do you remember that? No, because I never saw Green Lantern. It's so bad. But anyways, (laughs) that movie was in 2011 when I had my unpaid internship, had a cup of coffee with them in Los Angeles 2009. Um, I remember the PR company I was interning with represented ryan reynolds my shoe brother and we got the news that he landed the green lantern role over bradley cooper in 2009 and everyone like threw a party like they were celebrating in the office like so jacked up that this the next big marvel superhero movie like our client got it and bradley cooper was the guy he beat out and that movie became the biggest piece of shit of all time yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm almost. I'm glad that uh, Bradley Cooper didn't. I don't think he's never played a superhero, right? Correct. Respect that more. He has, but he's only the voice of it, and he's the raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, he's never put on like a cape, though. He's never actually. Yeah, I don't. I don't need these male actors to like check the superhero box that hard. Everyone's done it though. Like everyone, George Clooney's even done it. Jake Gyllenhaal's even done it. Like everyone has done it. What's his name? The Ant Man. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Even he, he did it. Yeah. 
Um, so to your point, 2009 is when he really though blew up because he was in a bunch of movies that I remember him from like wedding crashers. He was in failure to launch that garbage, uh, movie with Matthew McConaughey and the girl from sex. And the City. Yeah. And he was like same role in that as he had in wedding crashers, but it wasn't until hangover in 20 in 2009 that he like became that hot guy, which is ironic because that's when he got the long hair. Yeah, I mean the long hair Bradley Cooper, every uh, like a lot of people love, and that's what got him famous. So I get it, but just a short short hair preference for me. That's cool. What's your favorite Bradley Cooper movie? Uh, probably it might be this one, just because like I don't even know what what else does he star in. I'd agree with you. I think this is my favorite Bradley Cooper movie, but he's been in some other good ones, like Place Beyond the Pines with Ryan Gosling and Ava Mendez. Don't know it. <laughs> it's a list four. <laughs> that movie is so good. And then I want to throw American Sniper and A Star is Born on there because both of those oh, yeah. are dynamic. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen American Sniper, but I mean, I know he was phenomenal in it. And then A Star is Born is just classic. So, but I still say Sil- Silver's Li- Silver Linings Playbook, I think. Uh, by the way, A Star is Born, I think it's on my Mount Rushmore of movies that I've actually shed a tear in theater for. Meaning, like, there's there hasn't been more than four total movies that I've actually, like, cried when I saw in theater. And A Star is Born is one of, like, the four that I know I, I shed some tears. So that's high praise. Yeah. High praise for sure. I, I can't love Bradley Cooper in that one. I feel like just because, I mean, I, I love Bradley Cooper and I love him in that, but like, it's not my top because his voice is all weird in that movie. Yeah. He does like a Sam Elliott impression. Yeah. Who's his brother. The Not super into it. How do you feel about Robert De Niro in this movie? The last big character we'll talk about. Loved him. He was perfect. I got some fun facts on him. One, he gained 60 pounds for the movie Raging Bull, which I am super ashamed to say I have never seen Raging Bull somehow. Have you? Well, I haven't either. Okay, cool. I'm surprised at both. this point. Uh, did you ever see Gangs of New York? Yes. He's not in Gangs of New York, but he was originally cast for the Daniel Day-Lewis part, which how much weirder would that movie and not as good would it be if it was Robert De Niro and not Daniel Day-Lewis? Uh, I didn't love that movie. Really? I don't know why. It just like hit it missed the mark for, somehow for me. I don't know. Oh um, God. Leo just crushing. So hot right now. And <laughs> <laughs> we're <Yeah>. down. <laughs> he pulled out because he didn't want to be in Europe for six months. Loser. Um, the most interesting thing though, to me, when I was researching Robert De Niro is not like the plethora and 30 years straight of just killing movies. It's that he is involved in this underage sex trafficking thing in Paris. And it, it was like fascinating to read about. What? Yeah. He was in Paris, like filming this movie Ronin. And I believe it was in the late 90s. 
and he just started like hooking up with these like shady dudes who essentially just owned and operated a sex trafficking business and he had sex with one of the girls that was like a sex slave essentially i believe again all all alleged on this all my fucking fan facts are just alleged tonight but and he said he did have sex with this girl by the way that is not alleged but he had sex with a girl who's like a part of this and no money was exchanged and to go have sex with her he took a flight from paris to nice then he got on a helicopter took a helicopter from nice to saint-tropez had sex with this girl in saint-tropez got back on the helicopter later that evening flew back and then kept filming the movie ronin but then it came out that like it was woven into like all this sex trafficking stuff that was going on because she was one of the girls who was having sex for money and everything so he was roped into it and how old sorry how old was she i think she was over 18 but i believe a lot of the other girls involved were under 18 but i think she was over questionable okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's all it's all super shady but anyways afterwards he just like ruled out paris the rest of his life he's like i will never go to paris ever or anywhere in europe ever again fuck that place (laughs) it tried to take me down (laughs) i only have one i don't know i think i just we're a little too young to be like massive Robert De Niro fans. You know, like we weren't around in his heyday where he was just like in Godfather and dominating the seventies and eighties. So for me, my Robert De Niro, I love him in Goodfellas and I love him in Meet the Parents, but I don't, the Godfather movies and all that, I don't know. I'm just not super connected to him. Yeah. I would say I don't really have like a, a favorite Robert De Niro movie. I just don't don't follow him. But he was good in this movie. Oh, he was really good. He was nominated for an Oscar in this too. Smaller characters: Chris Tucker, Julia Stiles, and Jackie Weaver is the mom. What happened to Julia Stiles? I don't know. She was in um, the classic f- what favorite great movie called The Prince's May. Have you seen it? From no. like 2001. Our, our so favorite good. movies are not overlapping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being like slightly sarcastic because it was like just a chick flick um, where she starts dating a guy who ends up being a prince of a country. Um, so it's all about that. It's just such a good, it's, good, it's a good flick. Um, but after so that, yeah, I feel like she like disappeared. I don't know what happened to her. Yeah. I mean, 10 Things I Hate About You is like one of the greatest movies ever made. And then I know she had very small roles in like the Born Identity movies. But yeah, I don't really know what the fuck happened to her outside of that. Do you know, like, have you heard about Mandy Moore? No. Kind of, maybe it's like the same thing. This is like purely speculation. But um, this whole Mandy podcast Mo- tonight is speculation. Vicarious <laughs> <laughs> speculation. Um, <laughs> So Mandy Moore, I guess, like, for, so, you know, she was, like, really popular in the early 2000s and was, like, in A Walk to Remember. Oh, love that movie. Had that hit song, Candy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
loved it. Um, later, she like fell off the the grid a little bit for like years, um, and only recently because of that show that she's on now. What's that called? Oh, this Not is it. us. This is us. Yeah. So now she's like super super hot again, and now she's divorced. So she like did she like did this interview or something like a year or two ago. It said that like she got married to this guy Ryan Adams, who's a mu- musician. Oh yeah, he's like a major douche. Oh yes, <laughs> apparently Damn. because he he was just like I guess I'm like emotionally abusive towards her to the point where like he would just discourage her from like being successful. And so for years, I guess, she just kind of like stayed under his wing, like while they were married and like never pursued anything, any like roles or I don't know. She just kind of like fell off the radar and she like kind of like blamed it on him and said that he was just like kind of a fucked up guy. And um, I think it it came out that I want to say that he was like having like, oh, he, he was texting some like really young teenage girls and ask it like sexting them and so he's just like a fucked up guy while he was married to her damn this is like so similar to that kid the baby driver guy who like got in trouble doing that shit too did you see all that he was like texting underage girls and like trying to hook up with them no. he's this actor baby driver what either way like what is with all like texting and trying to hook up with underage girls what is that fascination i don't know but it seems to be a theme here that what we're talking about yeah robert de niro and uh ryan adams just like yeah but anyway so my point is that maybe i don't know now it enters my mind that maybe like julia styles just uh, was thwarted sometime in her youth career i think another thing that happens a lot and this happened like with natalie portman and it happened with a lot of actresses where they want to be moms like they want to start a family or whatever and they just kind of bounce to dedicate time to doing that yeah what i would like though is that they come back like I haven't seen Natalie Portman in anything in forever, but it'd be cool if she like came back after her kids are like a little grown up or whatever and just like crushed a movie. Cause I haven't seen her. What's the last Natalie Portman movie you saw? I want to say like brothers. Do you remember that show? Oh, that movie? Brother. Oh my God. One of my favorite movies underrated with like Jake Gyllenhaal and that little girl yeah. with the balloon. She would just like touch the balloon I'm pretty sure I hate that little girl. I'm, yeah, I have like a vague memory of her face because she's a little girl, and uh, I think she's a little girl in like an Adam Sandler movie too, and she really sucks. Yeah, she's like the worst character, like little girl in every movie, pretty much. Yeah, um, but yeah. I'm trying to think of anything after. She, was she in Valentine's Day? That was a while ago, though. I don't know. I want to say Brothers came out in like 2015. I I think so. it's Tobey Maguire's only good movie that he's ever done. And he plays like a fucked up psychopath. Um, okay, should we get into the actual movie? Yeah. I'm going to play... I'm gonna, actually, I was going to play that wedding song by Stevie Wonder that he always keeps hearing that like it's like upbeat, but 
it's tied to like depressing Bad stuff memories. Yeah. Which, by the way, we've discussed this on a past pod, but I think it was with Ben J. But we were like going into like hashing out like emotions and, and emotions tied to music and everything. And we netted out that all emotions are so closely tied to each other, even though they're so different. Like sadness in the emotion camp is so different from happiness, but they're all emotions. So they're all actually like closer tied to each other than you think. And that's for me, the perfect way to describe that song where it's like, that's a happy upbeat Stevie wonder song that's played at a wedding. But because in his mind, it's tied to his wife cheating on him. It's like the most fucked up, depressing song of all time. Yeah. And I think that that probably is like a little, tiny little microcosm of like what the movie is supposed to be about. Mm. Which is just like changing moods and stuff and how like moods kind of like butt heads. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah, because the characters are bipolar and this movie is a roller coaster of like people going from like extreme happiness to extreme depression at like the snap of a fingers. Yeah. I also um, thought that that was like the theme of the, the final dance at the end. It's just, I hate the dance. I just thought it was oh, kind really? of dumb. Yeah. I just, Damn. I don't know. I don't like it, but um, I get it. Like it's supposed to, I think it's supposed to be like, they're kind of like, changing moods together maybe and like their relationship probably together and how it's evolved yeah so we'll get to that final dance scene because i actually like that scene but i don't i think i'm confusing like how much i just like the emotion of it versus like if it's like an actual good dance because i don't think it's a good dance (laughs) if you're just meant to be bad it's meant to be bad but it's like so bad that I just can't even appreciate it. So, yeah, um, we'll we'll get to that. It it starts out though the movie where he's in a mental hospital, and we don't really know why initially, but we just know that he's been in a mental hospital for the past eight months. Something happened where he had like an anger management issue, and um, the first note I just had on this movie was his mom is the one who picks him up at the hospital to take him home to like live with them for a little while. And I love the mom in this movie. She's so naive and innocent and just like represents everything in my mind. That's like good about moms. She's cute. Yeah. Cute I, mom. she just, I think she reminds me a lot of my mom where my dad is like always angry and pissed and always yelling. And my mom is just so even keeled and like nice. And I feel like she's a good calming presence. Same as the mom in this movie of like, she is not wired like Bradley Cooper and her and his dad. Yeah. Agreed. I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play a clip. So you get a taste of the mom and then also just Bradley Cooper initially, because I think this is a big personality trait of his. How are you going to pay for it? I'm going to pay for it. Like, don't worry about From your bookmaking. Who told you that? Mom told me outside. I did not know I didn't. You just told me outside, mom. What are you talking about? Five minutes ago, we were walking up the stairs. She said, don't say anything. But dad lost his job and he's bookmaking. Why? Why, Dolores? Why did you say that to him? He has no filter and he just says whatever's on his mind. I like it because it's like coming from Bradley Cooper. 
But as I was thinking about Vanderpump Rules last night, I, it was like right after I had watched um, Silver Linings. And then I, like when we were chatting about how everyone from Vanderpump Rules is pregnant, it just suddenly entered in my mind and made all the sense in the world that um, Bradley Cooper's character gives me like major Jax Taylor energy. That sucks. I don't want that in my head. But it's like kind of, <laughs> it is, it does kind of line up, doesn't it? Like it is because Jack Taylor is just like, he just like has no filter and he's just like, he's like has a wild look in his eyes and like can't control himself. So I don't know. It kind of relates. I would not be shocked if Jax is bipolar at all. He, uh, yeah, he's either bipolar or just like a f- giant narcissist. <laughs> yeah. No, he definitely or is combo. a narcissist no matter what. It's whether he's bipolar on top of it or not. He, I do in, in the vein of blurting out whatever the fuck is on your mind, anyone's personal feelings around you be damned. <laughs> then yes, Jax and Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper has more redeeming qualities in this movie than Jax because Jax is like real short on the redemption side. But I can see it. I just hate doing it because I love Bradley Cooper so much in this movie. I hate comparing him to like a douche like Jax, but I do love Jax. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason why, by the way, I think the reason why, the main reason why he's so mad in this movie, I I think it's totally justified. Like the reason he's sent away to a mental hospital is because he walked in on his wife fucking another dude in the shower. Actually, should I just play that clip when he's talking to the doctor? Because that clip is like very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I'll play it. I come home from work after I, I, I left early, which I never do, by the way, but I got in a fight with Nancy, the school high school principal. I come home and what's playing but the song from my wedding, the song that you so charmingly played out here today for us. That's playing. And I don't think anything of it. Which is odd, because I should have. I come home, what do I see? I see, I walk in the door and I see underwear and pieces of clothing and a guy's pants with his belt in it. And I walk up the stairs and all of a sudden I see the DVD player. And on the DVD player is the CD and it's playing the wedding song. And then I look down and I see my wife's panties on the ground. And then I look up and I look up and I see her naked in the shower. And I think, oh, that's kind of sweet. She's in the shower. What a perfect thing. I'm going to find her and maybe I'll go in there. We never fuck in the shower anymore. Maybe today we will. I pull the curtain back and there's the fucking history teacher with tenure. And you know what he says to me? You should probably go. That's what he says to me. So yeah, I snapped. I almost beat him to death. But then I get fucking chastised for it. I get that I'm parallel to my father. I don't think so. All right. It's fucked up. That is fucked up. That is like, I don't blame him for beating the shit out of that dude after that happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. But he also said that... um it's not just like the one action. Then you have to like start adding up these other factors. The one, it can't be like the one at like event alone. It's always like a few different things that all make sense into like why he like needed to go into like a hospital, which is not just that that happened, but also like the week before he thought that his wife and <laughs> hit the, the teacher that she was having the affair with were plotting against him. Um. <laughs> oh yeah yeah it definitely wasn't that one singular instance so yeah we'll say that 
in that one moment, I am 100% on his side. I can't imagine doing anything else than like you see that little bitch in the shower with your wife when you come. By the way, why was the wife hooking up with that guy? Did you see him? <laughs> I don't even remember what he looks like, but I, it doesn't even matter what he looks like. He's not Bradley Cooper. No, he's not Bradley Cooper. He's, he's like, he, Bradley, he was, he was probably like 50, bald, maybe five, six and a half, and like this little bitch of a guy. So Bradley Cooper just beat the shit out of him. So anyways, yeah, in that one moment, I'm 100% on Bradley Cooper's side. But yeah, he did a lot of yeah. other things that were kind of like, mm, damn. I do think, I also think that like with probably, I don't know, I'm probably going to make some generalization that is wrong. But I feel like with bipolar or like mental illness, it, it usually is like this one event that like sets you off into realizing that you like have like a mental illness if you like haven't realized it up until like this there's like this one final thing that like puts you over the edge that and you just like have a breakdown I feel like that that happens or at least I can think of one time of somebody I know it's like this one trigger that, that just sends you over it is a massive generalization and in no way shape or form <laughs> am I comfortable saying if that's true or not but yeah I'm with you <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so let's just go with that. Let's just act like we're experts on, on all like scientific medical illnesses and we'll go with that. But, um, another interesting thing is that we actually don't meet Jennifer Lawrence in this movie, which I was blown away by. And I was like tracking it. I felt the same way in garden state. Like I remember garden state so much as being a Natalie Portman movie. And then in this movie, I remember this so much being a Jennifer Lawrence movie she isn't introduced until like the 25 minute mark of this movie. And I was like blown away watching it back. Like, holy shit. Well, I can't believe it took that long to introduce her. But anyway, she comes in. I don't know her name, but Julia Stiles has a house party that Bradley Cooper goes to. And she brings Jennifer Lawrence, who is her sister to this house party. That's where Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence meet that dinner party is the moment when I realized there's no one else in this movie. I feel, I love everyone in this movie. I don't feel comfortable giving the MCITW to anyone except the host of that house party. One Julia styles. I hate everything that she's about. I'll tell you why in a second. First, I want to say, MCHW, that is Mr. Cooper's Worst of Week, and it is brought to you by Wicklower, W-I-C-K-L-O-W-R. Before and explore, get all your outdoor gear at Wicklower.com. Type in the promo code BL at check get 10% off your order. $30 on baseball tees, $40 on the hooded sweatshirts, $20 on the tanks. Be free and explore, get all your outdoor gear. Julia Stiles, to me in this movie, I hate her because she is like this overbearing bitch who's like the worst wife of all time. And she essentially castrates her husband and makes him just be like a shell of a human being. And like, as a dude, there's nothing worse to me than watching a dude be like completely emasculated by his wife. I just like to cut in because I've yeah. just been thinking about the last comment I made about the generalization about mental illness. And <laughs> Go back. Just you want like to the- run that back? 
Yeah, I want to I want to walk back that statement because I actually have no idea, and I was just using one example, which sucks. Like, look, you don't have part. to feel bad on this podcast. You have hot fire takes. Sometimes they land. Sometimes you are making a complete <laughs> just the, generalization. It's just about the risk that illness. you take being a podcast star. <laughs> yeah, so you you will make no, some I, comments that are completely cross the line. I just have to. Yeah, I. I Okay, so Megan is not an expert on mental illness. It goes officially on the record. She has no idea what she's talking about in terms of triggers and all that stuff. Okay, how do you feel about Julia Stiles, though? Do you hate her? Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to like about her in this movie. Um, I did, you know what? I take that back. There's one thing that I like about her, and that's when she yells out the window to invite him to to dinner. Oh, Um, yeah, that was a funny scene. But then she immediately, like, ruined it and like made fun of him for wearing an eagles sean jackson jersey, jersey. yeah I, when you know he what showed it up to really did for me was at the end when she invited his ex-wife to that dance contest at the end i was so mad about that i was like what is that what is that move yeah it's it's weird because like okay if you're friends with this lady and you know that her ex-husband really wants to see her and has been like really making progress and you're aware of that then like I get wanting to invite this friend to like see his progress and see how he's grown and obviously he like you think that he wants that but then like you have to remember that Jennifer Lawrence is her sister in this movie right and so obviously <laughs> that goes against what Jennifer Lawrence would want so exactly like there's looking out for your friend and then there's looking out for your friend while you simultaneously just completely shit down your sister's throat. And it's like fucking bullshit because she, you would have to know by the end and we'll get to it, but you have to know by the end of this movie that your sister is like feeling this dude. That's obvious. Yeah. So and- fuck you. So fuck her. <laughs> fuck Julia Stiles. I hate her. Be free and explore. Get fucked. I hate you. Julia Stiles. Yeah, I'm comfortable with her being the I just got lost in, in that MCITW. I have so many, like, God, I have so many clips that, like, I wrote down, and I don't know how aggressive I should be with, like, playing these clips, but, like, there's so many... You, you know, let's just skip over that dinner. Julia Stiles sucks. Again, there's great dialogue from that dinner. But let's just go to what the aforementioned, what I think is the greatest scene in this movie, to me, is at the diner. So it's after the dinner, J-Law and Brad Coops, they decide that even though he doesn't want to, like, date her, obviously, he feels bad that he's not going to be her friend, so he takes her out to dinner. And I think it's an amazing scene. I like how he gets um, cereal, <laughs> yeah. raisin bran at the diner, and his reasoning is that it's not a date if he eats cereal, which I actually think is like rock solid reasoning because it does yeah. kind of take down the seriousness down a notch. I totally agreed with that. I wrote that down. I, I just wrote sound logic. I'm I'm 100% on board with that play. Like, I don't want her to confuse that there's anything sexual here. So if I order cereal at night in a glass of milk to pour in it, there will be no confusion. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm comfortable. Clears it up. Clears it up. Doesn't seem like a date to me. No, great move by him. Um, 
But I thought this scene was where she won the Oscar because they're like going back and forth and he's doing his thing where he like has no filter and he's just like a total dick. And she's telling him about like her fucked up issues. And they're really like relating on their issues of being essentially quote unquote crazy and all the, like the shit they've gone through. And then like, he just decides that he's going to eat. He goes like, Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not crazy like you. And then she, she says this. You think that I'm crazier than you? <laughs> because well, we're different, I mean. Oh, my God. Oh, you're killing me. You know what? Forget I offered to help you. Forget the entire fucking idea. Because that must have been fucking crazy. Because I am so much crazier than you. Keep your voice down. I'm just the crazy slut with a dead husband. <laughs> Forget it. Shut the fuck up. Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany. I thought this is where she won the Oscar. I thought she nailed that scene. Yeah, that was a great scene. Do you want to talk about after that scene because i thought it was just the first like really cool moment between the two of them after they left and like what they encountered after they left because like after they left he got really mad at her and then he started hearing that song play and then the cop oh, yeah. came. yes he like cut the cop hit on her and she like talked him off the ledge like that was the first time that i'd seen someone really be able to like get him to like calm down and like tell him like stop listening to that song like anytime something bad happens like don't tie it to that song yeah yeah i remember that because she was like what you're gonna just like flip out every time you hear like this song it's just a song it's just a song yeah don't let uh, that dictate your whole life right which i feel like we all have those things that oh yeah like ha- like have so many bad memories tied to like this one inanimate object or their song or whatever it is or like smell I don't know totally um, that it just makes no sense to tie like to be to like avoid but you do for whatever reason. So she makes a deal. J Law makes a deal with Bradley Cooper where she will get a letter to. His ex-wife, he can't talk to her because she has a restraining order against him because of all the bullshit, but she will give him a letter from Bradley Cooper if he he will agree to compete in this like dance competition with her. Is that pretty much the deal they make? Sure is. So now we have like a fortuitous, continual forced hangouts between the two of them. Love that. I love it. That's like, I think every dude's dream, by the way, is you're forced to hang out. Like this girl is trapped with you, but it's not like kidnap style. It's like totally legit. Like we work together. We're on a project together. We have to like team up for a dance recital together. Why is that a do every dude's dream? Like we, we got trapped in an elevator together. We had to take a road trip together. We yeah, had but a car for why? five hours. <laughs> I think this is every dude's dream of like, he's really into a girl 
but he he like doesn't want to just ask her out on a date and then you get like fortuitously and innocently trapped with her so you can just like okay weasel just to avoid the responsibility of just manning up and asking them out on a date correct this is more okay. of like a you're 16 kind of fantasy versus like now you're in your 30s and yeah you just go on a date <laughs> yeah it's different how, um, how old do we think jennifer lawrence is playing in this movie just curious like 30 yeah i read that she's actually early 20s like 22, 23 when she filmed this, but she's the role was written for someone in their 30s. Okay. She pulls off like 30, I would say. No more than 30. Yeah, and I think Bradley Cooper was either early 40s or late 30s, but I think he plays a little younger than he is. So I wasn't like... Yeah. I did not think they were like 15 to 20 years apart. I literally thought he was maybe like Like five years years. older. Yeah. That's like my one thing about movies... I don't know if it's specific to me or if everyone's this way, but like I always have to know like what the ages of all the cast is meant to play and like what the timeline is. And if there's no timeline, I just need to figure it out. I spend the whole movie trying to figure out like how much time has passed. Okay. Two thoughts on that. One, you would struggle watching teen dramas then because all those people are like, it makes no sense. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Not only that, but like, the the timelines of teen dramas never make sense like just look at no. um at friday night lights because oh. they just like repeated sophomore year three times Drove yeah crazy. i know we've discussed that so many times but tim riggins who was so clearly a senior in season one and they just realized <laughs> he was the entire show so they just essentially made him be a sophomore at that point and it just it's like there's no way this guy is 14 and a half yeah, no. So my second point was, you know what really helps though with like moving timelines in like a reasonable way to where your head just like fully accepts it is if you do a montage, like a dance montage, like okay. this movie does. Because my point, my point is sometimes in movies I struggle because I'm like, by the end of the movie, the way it worked out is I'm like, wait, that only took place over the course of two days. So you're telling me that these two are supposed to like realize that they are like soulmates together and they're in love with each other and all this shit after 48 fucking hours. No chance. This movie though, and what a lot of movies will do is they put like this montage in the middle of it to like a two or three minute song. Like- passing time yeah and it makes it seem like like weeks has passed i have passed or like a month like you don't even know but like maybe two months have passed and they do that in this movie really well where they show like him and her practicing all their dance routines and stuff and it's i really liked that scene that that montage too i liked the song that was playing i don't know what song it was but i just i really liked it i thought it like just showed their their energies together really well was a big fan. You're really big on energies. Are you loving the energies between them at this point? Real good energy uh, vibes? Yeah. Yeah. I like the energies. <laughs> Look, I, I felt the same thing. I felt very strong energies. I'm just, I'm not as eloquent in calling them, like calling out the energies as you, but yeah, I, I've felt them. Like, Have I mentioned the energies multiple times? On this pod, yeah. You've called out some energies a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't aware you'll hear it back in post no i look i want i want the good energies 
in the good chemistry energies between two counterparts, like called out for sure. In this montage though, the, I, I can't remember if it's before or after the montage, but we get like a real good sense of what Chris Tucker's all about because he's helping them with like this dance. And this is going to be my first nominee on our Ryan Phillippe Practice Hero Award list. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, we're in here talking about practice. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? I have him on here. I have, so I have three nominees. I have Chris Tucker on here because he tried to escape the mental hospital three different times. And he was just so extra. I love him to death. Like every time he escaped and then would get called back by the police, I cracked up. But like, it's definitely doing a lot in my head. So he's nominee one. Nominee two, I had Bradley Cooper's therapist. I did not include him on this list until I saw him at the Eagles game dressed in like full body paint. And then I was like, God. It was like a little, I feel like he didn't need the half face of face paint. Like that was a little bit too much, but I liked, um, I liked how they bonded over. It was humanizing. Yeah. I get it was humanizing. Love that. Love seeing the therapist like out of the the doctor chair and like just hanging out at a game. But I am mystified by like people who paint their bodies at sporting events. <laughs> like it can't be comfortable. Like the few times that I've um done face paint for like Halloween, it's the worst experience having that paint on your face. It's it's itchy and uncomfortable and you can feel it like sweating off your face. It's the worst. All hair dye or face paint or whatever for Halloween blows. Like I dyed my, or did the spray, whatever in your hair. Uh, once I did it orange to be the redheaded quarterback of the Bengals, that shit stayed in my hair for like a week afterwards. I would imagine body paint or face paint to your point is the same thing where it just like lingers and it's hard to get it off. And I'm more just like confused on who that guy is. Like, who's that guy that's like, all right, honey, I'm going to the game. <laughs> he paints his whole body and like leaves the house. And and like the wife's never just like, uh, no, don't do that. Obviously don't do that. Idiot. How's he getting out of the house? I don't know. It's a man in his sports, okay? I don't know. All right, so he's nominee number two. I just think it's weird that he actually thought ahead to play the the song in the waiting room oh. to test Bradley Cooper, which I, is just like a step too far, I think. That's just like mind games to me. <laughs> I honestly... It completely forgot about that. That was one of the most diabolical, like fucked up things I've ever seen. Yeah. That is messed up. So yeah, Bradley Cooper is triggered by that wedding song that we played when we transitioned into the movie. And he played it in the waiting room before his first appointment with Bradley Cooper, who has mental problems. <laughs> it's messed up. 
I didn't like that. Oh, made my stomach hurt. Third guy. I put him on here solely because of his OCD. Because OCD is the very definition of OCD is that you're doing way too much. I wanted to give him nominated for like some award because he was really good in this movie. So we're going to give him like an homage to Ryan Philippi, Robert De Niro as the dad. And I'm going to play a quick clip of his like clear Oscar push scene. Here it is. Well, maybe I didn't spend enough time with you growing up. I spent too much time with your brother. It might have made you feel worse about your behavior, but I, I, I didn't know anything. I couldn't have handled it. I mean, that's what all this eagle stuff is about. It's about us spending time now. I, I want to do everything I can to help you get back on your feet. That's 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 the whole point. Yeah. Talking to yeah, I thought that would be your favorite scene because you love a man who cries. <laughs> I did that scene. It does. It 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 strikes a chord with me for sure. Like I, yeah, my number one thing is seeing like tough dudes cry. So when I saw Robert De Niro like holding back tears, that was tough. That's so why I played it. I it, it was a good scene. I'm not him being a, a nominee for Ryan Philippi is not saying he sucks. It's just like he was doing so much in this movie with the OCD and everything. Like he, even when Chris Tucker came over and he like made him sit a specific way and like face a specific way. And he had his hold his hands out like this. Like it was just a lot. So this might be a real easy one for you. If you don't agree with Robert De Niro, who do you think was doing the most between those three guys? Um, I feel like you can't say that Robert De Niro is doing the most because he's clearly, I feel like Bradley Cooper is just a a somewhat intensified version of Robert De Niro. So I can't, I can't in good conscience give it to Robert De Niro. Um, I also cannot give it to Chris Tucker because I just thought that he was hilarious and didn't mind him at all. So I'm going to have to go with that doctor who wore face body paint. That's fair. I think giving it to that guy, and if we're going to give it to him literally solely because he painted his body and went to a sporting event, I'm cool with that. I'm cool yeah. giving it to him. I think, I think it's fair. It's only fair. Speaking of OCD dad who has gambling problems, what what all happened at the end of this movie? Like, Why did that all go down with like making a deal with that bookie tying the dance recital into a Eagles win? Why? Yeah, like what what made all that happen? He was doing it because like he wanted to like make his relationship with his son closer. So that's how he thought he would do it if he bet it all in that game and like made him go to the game or something and then lost it all. And then so then um he started yelling at Bradley Cooper and then Jay Law rolls in and says, like, you've been wrong the whole time. Like, let's prove it by putting double or nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's like I'm going to bet on my son and my favorite football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and win it all back. So yeah. now Bradley Cooper has to go out and get a 5 out of 10 in the dance competition, <laughs> which seemed – that seemed insane to me. Like 5 out of 10 at a professional – like this is like being on Dancing with the Stars. Like you're 
on yeah. there and like getting judged by professionals and stuff and having professionals compete getting a five, five is, seems high yeah it was lofty yeah i mean the way that it played out when they were like announcing the scores everyone was laughing at them because i guess the margin of error is so slim in these dances that everyone was between like a seven and an eight or something that even the thought of getting a five is like laughable. So I don't know. Yeah. So we're, we're a little dubious of the scoring system with the judges on this professional dance. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But then the biggest thing going on at this time was the letter. There's a letter that Brad Coops has been wanting to get the whole deal that he made with Jayla is that she will get this letter to his wife in exchange to doing this dance dance. Then so Jayla says she gave the letter to her wife, gets a letter back, and she says that the wife wrote this letter when in reality Jennifer Lawrence wrote the letter back. I don't know, dude. He found out and like wasn't mad about that. Like that was the spark for him to realize in his own head that he's actually in love with Jennifer Lawrence, that she wrote that letter to him pretending to be his wife. But like, I was looking at that, like I would have been mad as fuck. Yeah. It's kind of messed up. I think to promise someone that you're going to send them a letter and then you just say you send it and then just writing your own version of the letter, the way that makes you happy. Um, but yeah, I thought that if there's one thing this movie like lacked a little bit is like he did not emote I feel like did not emote his processing of like realizing that he was in love with her. Like it just jumped from him finding out that she wrote the letter, realizing that, and then jumped to the the dance at the end where he reads his own version of of his letter back. But don't you like that, though? Like, don't you like the dudes not being able to convey their emotions accurately? I think that's, like, your thing, isn't it? The guy, (laughs) Mr. Darcy, that's his whole thing from Pride and Prejudice. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess there there are scenes that, like, show the tension between them two. So it's not random. You love building sexual tension. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> i love it so much so but yeah you wanted a few more scenes between brad coops and jay law where like there were more looks like you were seeing yeah it. obviously he's not gonna convey yeah. it with his words but like a look yeah because i feel like so much of the movie he seems to be obsessed with nikki and then I guess like towards the end of the movie does start to shift naturally where he like mentions her like a little bit less maybe, but overall I just think there could have been more. Yeah. A little bit more sexual tension (laughs) scenes happening. You love sexual tension. (laughs) Um, All right. Are you ready to go to the final dance? Oh yeah. This is where we get Julia Stiles. Hugging, sucking, and bringing, they have this big dance night, and he and she brings the ex-wife for the final like showdown to the dance recital. Fucked up move, but I believed they absolutely crushed the dance. 
You disagree, though, correct? I do disagree strongly. <laughs> I mean, it serves the purpose, I guess, is what they just, they completed it. Points for completion, I guess. But as far as... <laughs> no, that, that, one, that one final move they tried to nail, and he essentially just, like, started 69ing with her on the dance floor. Was that when they were, like, crawling on the ground? No. They were also crawling at one point, which I was like, <laughs> God. <laughs> no, it was when she, like, jumped up into him for, like, the big, oh, like, yeah. dirty yeah. dancing move. Yeah. But she just, like, put her vagina, like, right in his face. That was just so awkward. Like, it was all just horrible to watch, I think. Um, and, I like, I didn't like the cut to the, the other rock song thing. Yeah, they did like three different songs. All that middle song, I just yeah. was like, ugh, I I just didn't like. It. I get the purpose of all of it, you know, showing probably their like various moods and how their relationship has like fluctuated and stuff. But I just I thought it was a little bit too much. Like they could have just stayed with inside the lines a little bit. I don't know. So. Can I get a little deep on why I liked it? You want to wade into the deep end with me? Mm-hmm. I <laughs> so excited. Um, I like the fact that this movie is called Silver Linings Playbook. This whole movie is about your life fucking sucks and you have to find the silver lining and like the small positives in your life. And those small silver lining positives are like what get you through they get you to the next day they get you to keep going because like shit's constantly falling apart around you so it's like how do you find the good in that kind of like all of 2020 essentially so i think the ending was so appropriate with that dance because it was horrible i don't know how they got a five out of ten it was like a two out of ten max it was they fucked up everything but they He's like, also wearing like leggings, which I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so bizarre. My point is the big silver lining to me was that they completed it. Like they did it all and they did it together. All those weeks of hard work from these two people who have never danced in their whole lives. They went into a professional dance competition. They put together this whole choreographed routine that blew up in their face, but they finished it. And to me, it was like the ultimate silver lining of like this whole thing that you've been working towards failed. But like, to me, the greater message is that all that wasn't for nothing. It was like so much more personal growth that you could have ever gotten by getting like a seven out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think along the lines of that, it's not just about the silver lining, but it's also about like, finding the silver lining and having to like read the signs because like that's how they constantly talk about in the movies mm, like yeah. if it was me reading the signs and you can take from that like whatever you want and make a silver lining out of it or not and it's all about reading the signs and I think that like that happens in a lot of different ways like whether it's you read the signs in the superstitious type of way like if it's his dad he is very like irrationally superstitious or the dad is telling Bradley Cooper at the end to read the signs and not let this opportunity go to waste, like doing this dance. Like, I just think it's all about like where you kind of see the silver lining. 
Yeah. And I think that's like been my biggest learning of 2020. Honestly, everything sucks. It's all falling apart around us, but I feel like it's on us and it's our duty to try and like in our own head, figure out what the silver linings are. And I think that's why this movie resonates still so much to me to this day. This movie's eight years ago, but I think it's just as applicable in 2020 because it's like, you can choose to live your life where it's like, woe is me and you're a victim and everything is falling apart around you and everything blows ass and you can be depressed as fuck all the time. Or you can try and like find your own silver linings that may not be useful or to anyone else, but it's like for you, it helps you sleep at night. And like, that's all that matters. Yeah. That could be way too naive of a thought process, by the way. No, I think you're pretty spot on. I'm just kind of like thinking about now I'm just comparing like J-Law and that the his Nikki in the movie. Cause I just feel like oh. just because Nikki was like his best option throughout the whole movie, like that's what he looked at as like his best option was getting her back the whole movie. And then at some point, like it shifted. You know, it's interesting. Sorry. No, keep going. I'm not going to cut you off. Keep going. No, I was, I'm more like thinking out loud. I don't know if this is a specific thought, thought, but I just feel like it's more about like the silver lining was him like readjusting what his like expectations should be or, you know, to find the silver lining, you know, it's. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. And he even said it in that scene where like they were yelling at each other, him and J-Law in the street. And she was like, what do you love about Nikki so much? And all he said was like, we're like, yeah, sure. We try and change everything about each other, but that's love, man. That's love. That's what love is. It's like you hate everything about the other person you're with, but you change for them. So to your point, I think, he he was trying to fit like this square peg in a round hole and had convinced himself that it was the right thing to do when in reality the right thing is to find like it's not just like jamming yourself down like path a because it's like what your mind thinks is the best option it just like has to be path b even if your mind like may think at the time that it's like the next to best option it's actually the best option for you and your happiness yeah. yeah well there's just i think that's why this movie's so good is there's so many different ways that you can like read into it and interpret it and i think that mm-hmm. to me is the ultimate sign of this movie just fucking kicks ass is that you can have these like conversations about like what did it really mean when they chose to do this with that song or like whatever Specifically, I just have one more thing about like one of the last scenes is his, him running after her. Oh, this, I is, was, this like, amazing scene. A, a nice callback to the beginning of the movie when she's like running after him when they go on runs. And this Definitely. time it's him running after her at the end. Love no, I was, I was thinking a lot of running in this movie. Like, uh, why? I was trying to, again, as I was trying to get deep, I was like, why so much like jogging references and like, people chasing after each other while mid jog and all this stuff. A lot of that. Maybe it's just like, uh, maybe it just represents their (laughs) minds are like chaotic and I don't know. Yeah. Cool. I'm good with that. 
Um, just riffing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just spitballing here. No idea is bad. That final scene, though. Amazing final scene. I loved it. He chased after because here's what happens. His ex-wife shows up at the dance. They win the bet. They win all that. Who cares? That was tertiary. It didn't really matter to the plot, but they won all the gambling stuff. His ex-wife shows up and they, there's a scene where Bradley Cooper and his ex-wife are like chatting with each other for the first time since all this shit went down. And I think all of us were thinking like, oh, fuck. He's like going to get back together with her. Like, God, he's not even going to see how awesome Jennifer Lawrence is. And he's just going to get back with his ex-wife. Like, fuck this bitch. But then like they did this super cool thing, which I loved, where like they just showed him whisper in his ex-wife's ear, but they didn't show you what he said. And so as a viewer, you're just like, oh, damn it. What the fuck? What was that? Is he getting back with her or not? And I think. What do you think he said he whispered in her ear now that you saw how it ended? Which, again, we're going to wait to play that final clip on the ending. But what do you think he said to her? I think he said along the lines of, like, thought a lot about you and wanted to make it work for a while, but been doing a lot of personal growth and we're probably best apart. I'm on a new path. I wish you all the best. Goodbye it seemed respectful based on her response it seemed like she took it in a way that yeah he said something along those lines of like i love you i'm always gonna love you but our paths are not meant to intersect anymore (laughs) so no no hard feelings but I liked how she did actually didn't have any lines in the movie and there you yeah. never hear their conversation because she is not the story. No. Um, so I'm okay with the fact that they even brought her in like at the very end and then he just like decides against her anyway. I agree 100%. I wasn't thinking about that but now that you say it, I'm like yeah. Like I'm so glad that they didn't have her speak because it's not about her. This movie was not about her at all. And it would have just like muddied the waters and it wasn't necessary. Yeah. It, w- it wasn't the journey that we were on as viewers didn't involve her. So like, I'm good with no words being spoken. Yeah. She was more of just like this idea. Like, yeah. and maybe that's even like what Bradley, like he had this idea yeah, of Nikki yeah, in his yeah. mind that was just not re- reality. And so I think that's probably what we were invested in is like the idea of Nikki the whole time until the very end he sees her and it's just like nothingness. Oh my God. That's such a hot fire take. I'm pissed. I didn't think of it. It is the idea of her. Damn it. Good stuff. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. No, so just true. Now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. Um, it's fucked up how they long. just get like crystallized in your mind, and you just ha- only have that to live off of, and it's not dynamic or living or breathing. So, no, and one of the truest things I've ever heard is so many times people mistake feelings for like memories and what actually happened, and so when you're thinking back on stuff, you let the feelings you were experiencing cloud. And this is why 500 days of summer is so good. Cause when you go back and actually like in that movie, when they make you rethink of like 
stopped thinking about it through the rose colored glasses that you view the idea of her go back and actually remember what actually took place when you go back and actually remember it it's totally different than like the cloud your feelings make it yeah it's fucked up anyways final scene in this movie was amazing he chases after her and catches up with her and then he pulls out a letter that is written to her and he's like this letter <laughs> i forget what he said but it's basically like i wrote you a letter and he reads it and it was so powerful i'm just gonna play the whole thing right now i have one more letter for you to read okay what the fuck is the matter with you give it to her yourself hey, let me say something you don't ever have to see me again if you just read it all right this is so fucked up yeah just read it Dear Tiffany, I know you wrote the letter. The only way you can meet my crazy was by doing something crazy yourself. Thank you. I love you. I knew it the minute I met you. I'm sorry it took so long for me to catch up. I just got stuck. Pat. I wrote that a week ago. You wrote that a week ago? Yes, I did. You let me lie to you for a week? I was trying to be romantic. You love me? Yeah, I do. I love that letter though. Like, God, Brad Coop's just like nailing the fucking yeah, words. It wasn't too um, lovey dovey either, which I think is was good because I hate that. It's like smarmy shit. So glad I didn't get to that level. It was very it was on enough. brand. If he was saying a bunch of like words of affirmation shit, it wouldn't have been on brand. Yeah. I did. I loved it. He nailed it. And then they end up together, and it's like the best ending. I always get so nervous in these like more indie type of movies that they'll make an uh, an open ended um, ending, or you don't know exactly how it goes. But I felt like they tied it off very positively, and I felt really good coming out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you you come out any other way, but feeling good <laughs> at the end of the movie. <laughs> The Christmas time. They're making out at the very end, like just at yeah, yeah. Christmas hanging out. It's the best. I love this movie's so good. This movie's so good. Yeah. I think this might be like in my top ten favorite movies. No hyperbole. Really? Yeah. That's, that is strong. It just resonates with me personally. I know it's it's not like probably a top ten movie of all time, obviously, but for me personally, like so many of the elements with like the OCD. And the fact that he doesn't have a filter and he says whatever is on his mind. And like, every, it's mm-hmm. just like all of it just really resonates with me. You know, what also my favorite, this is like uh, going back to a random part, but I just remember, I like how he, in the middle of the movie, when he goes to J-Law's house and the, that man shows up who wants to like have sex with her. And he like kind of defends her and he's like, she's got a broken wing right now and she's sensitive and she doesn't need this. She's trying to heal. I just loved that. That was such a cool move. 
such a chivalrous that's thing. So nice. Because that's like character. That's that's like pure what you do when you don't think anyone's watching. And he had no idea that she was watching that. Yeah. And so it's just and, like, and you know that character. he he like always just says whatever's on his on his mind. So he knows like that's what he like really thought in that moment. He like wasn't trying to. I think that would be an upside to like because yeah fuck I mean. I've lived not having a filter and it sucks 98% of the time because you just wish like you would think before you speak, like even sometimes like, God, just think before you speak sometimes. But I would think like that would be again, a silver lining for whoever's talking to you is like, well, at least, you know, they're not lying (laughs) because they're not, they don't have time to really lie. They're just saying things that come to their head immediately because it's how they feel. So like in a way, there's some good silver lining. Yeah. I just thought it was sweet that that's like what he really thought of her. Yeah. That was a good scene. Who is your overall MVP of this movie? Who's your favorite character? This one I think is, is a real toss up because you have Brad Coops and J-Law who both crushed. I think I just liked um, Bradley Cooper a little bit more. Why though? Why? Because you're a girl and he's a guy. Maybe. <laughs> it might be as simple you're as obsessed that. With him. <laughs> um, the, Tiffany as a character was like just like good to me, not great. Really? As opposed to um, Bradley's character, which I thought was really great. Yeah. I don't know. God, that's, I'm so shocked to hear you say that. I, I go the other way where. I thought she was so nuanced and dynamic more so than he was. But but again, he was great. Like he was so good. I'm I'm kind of I wonder who I should look up who won the Oscar that year. I know he was nominated, but what mm, year was What that? year was that? 2014. Probably the 2013 Oscars. Yeah, 2013 Oscars. This movie was nominated for Best Movie. It did not win. Argo won that year. Best oh, this Act. is Les Mis. Oh. Was it? So Bradley Cooper was nominated for Best Actor, but Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln. That was okay. Lincoln was, like, kind of slow. Didn't love it. A Christoph Waltz, Django Unchained, sporting actor. Jennifer Lawrence won for this. Mm, shit, she beat out Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. That was good. I thought it was shocking she won for this movie. I don't know. I just wasn't... I didn't think it was, like, a hugely game-changing character. Look at the other nominees. Like, it's Jessica Chastain for Zero Dark Thirty, which she was awesome in. Then the girl from Beasts of a Southern Wild, next. Naomi Watts in The Impossible, next. And this other chick in Amore, next. So, like, th- there wasn't, like, a robust competition. Yeah. Whereas, like, Best Actor was pretty strong that year. Hugh Jackman in Les Mis, Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. in The Master, Denzel Washington in Flight, and Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln. So it was, like pretty star-studded for actor yeah oh shit the mom in this movie was nominated for best supporting actress 
in Best Supporting Actor, Robert De Niro was nominated. Wow. That's not surprising. He's nominated for everything. Yeah. Anyways, so you're going to give the MVP to Bradley it got, Cooper. It's got to go to Bradley. Yeah. Cool. cool, cool, cool. Well, any final thoughts? Are you ready to wrap it up? No. My favorite quote by him was when he was talking to that teacher in front of the school on a Sunday, and he, so he said, the history teacher with tenure? <laughs> <laughs> better now. I'm better now. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, my God. Get away from me. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it there. Good stuff. Okay. Great recap. We'll tell those kids. Kids, you tuck on in. You have a really good night's sleep. Kids. And Megan, you're going to help us sign off. So tell those kids what they want to do. Uh, Just say like clear know. eyes, full hearts. Like oh. fucking Friday Night Lights theme song. Clear eyes, full hearts. Do us, kids. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured. <laughs>